Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, I'm so excited to welcome all of you to the kickoff of a spiritual journey where we're going to look into hearing God, hearing from God. I want to look in the camera there, welcome our McKinney campus streaming with us right now, our Hazlitt campus, maybe someone in a video venue here at the Keller campus watching the message later. Of course, all of you that join us online, would you guys put your hands together and welcome everybody that's joining in with us this weekend. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Old Testament, 1 Samuel Chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. But I want to start this first week because we're, we're laying groundwork. We're going to talk to you about how the Holy Spirit is involved in illuminating the Word. And the Holy Spirit, it gui- He guides us and he, he points us to Jesus. We're going to talk about the inner witness and we're going to talk about so many things. But, but i got to start this week with, first of all, the primary way. The primary, most trusted, guaranteed, 100% guarantee way that you hear the voice of God is through this love letter inspired through normal people, through the Holy Spirit, the words of this living document, the Word of God, you can be guaranteed If you read this and you read what God is saying, God is speaking to you. So if a weird person comes to you this week, God told me, you're weird. If they tell you something in violation to this word, God did not tell them. So you're like, I I know that. Now, I could start our first week here. You know, with, with giving some apologetic on the authority and the power of this. And, and like we could do some kind of like, like scholarly exercise for me to tell you how valid this book is. Like, I mean, it's amazing just as a literary document. Most published book ever. I mean, uh, uh, multiple authors and the, the, the big word here, the canonization of it, the way the Holy Spirit preserved it and brought it together. We could be wowed by the amazing document that it is. But I'm not going to start there because if you took time to engage with this message, every campus, online, you're here, at some level you have some belief that there's something for you there in that word. So I'm not going to spend my time defending its power. I want to start by laying a foundation on how you receive from God. And we said this the first week, the better you know God, the better you'll hear from God. So really, this whole series is more than hearing from God. It's getting to know God. Because when I get to know Him, then I know what He's like. I know His nature. I know His character. I know, I know what He likes, what He doesn't like. I, I can filter a lot of voices in a world full of voices. But, but I do want to say right here at the outset that I have taught on hearing from God. I've preached the Word of God like most Sundays for 30 years, but we live in a new challenge. I want everybody everywhere to key in with me right now. I'm going to explain to you something that you've been feeling, 
This is the challenge with your teenager. This is the reason there's this underlying frustration with how the world works today, and it has a lot to do with our relationship with the Bible. You see, for centuries, globally, there was this belief that was held pretty universally that we as human beings are at some level flawed or in need or not capable of achieving the best for our reality, so therefore there is this underlying need for truth. But truth was not something that I had. Truth was out there. So you could go to a Hindu or a person who is a Buddhist or a Muslim or a, a person that was basically just kind of not really religious and they, they, they had a general shared belief that that there's a pursuit of truth that I don't possess. Now, we would maybe disagree with how to obtain that truth based on the perspective we're coming from. Let me, let me make something clear. The, the biblical worldview, the, the, the message of Jesus is that we are not only flawed, we don't have to look for the ditch, we end up in it. I had all the time people come to me and say, Pastor, man, I came to church and people were worshiping. You hadn't even preached yet. I felt guilty. Why? I said, because you are. You know why you feel guilty? Because you are. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we're in need. We're needy people. And you can't appreciate a Savior until you know that you need saving. Other religions, it's like, why is this religion so confusing? I don't really even know what the path is. I don't know how to put it together. It's like part of it is kind of this and that. And Jesus made it real easy. He said, you can't get to me, so I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you to do what you couldn't do. I'm coming to live a life you couldn't live, pay a payment you deserve, but I'll take it so you can have a life that you never earned. That's the message of the gospel of Jesus. So therefore, we would believe that Jesus Christ comes to earth as a man, lives a sinless life, dies on the cross, raises from the dead, and when you receive him, truth is no longer a concept. He said, I am the truth. So you receive him into your life. And by the way, the day you submit your life to Jesus, your Bible will come alive to you. You'll be like thinking you, you read it for the first time. No one else knows it. You'll just run around. Did you see this? Like, yeah, I kind of read that verse when I was five. You think it just appeared in the Bible. Because why? He's illuminating it by his spirit and by his life. You're like, okay, where's the barrier, Jeff? Here's the barrier. We now live in a world that no longer believes we are flawed at some level, needing at some level and truth is out there, we live in a world that is message to the younger generation. There's access to the message. There's more voices accentuating the message. There's echo chambers of the message. You can decide truth. Your feelings and your perspective and what you have now arrived at with no need from anything on the outside can be true. And if you challenge it, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute, You're, that, that's toxic, that's gaslighting, that, that's bullet. There's, there's no even conversation because when you have an individualistic mindset about God, truth, and everything else, 
you arrive at it at your own terms, define it yourself. So we have some hurdles. I don't know about you, but I've lived long enough to know I don't want to be deciding truth because I have missed it many times. Anybody remember when you were young and dumb? There were times I, I know this is true. I'll fight anybody that doesn't think it's not true. Who wants to argue with me about this truth? One of those was that my wife came to me in my early 30s. She said, you have a come over. I said, that's disrespectful. I don't have a comb over. I got a full head of hair. From my vantage point, I look great. I went to a little swim party with some friends. I dove in the pool. When I got back out, there was one long strand hanging down. I'd been just wrapping that thing. Just My other disrespectful friend took his iPhone and took a phone picture of my head. He said, Pastor, you got a problem. You can admit you have a problem. You can deny you have a problem but you have a problem. You are follically challenged. <laughs> How many of you know we can see it wrong? We can feel it wrong. We can perceive it wrong based on our background and experiences. And so I would submit to you that the way to hear God is to not just, and this is very important this first week as we lay a foundation. Next week, I'm gonna talk to you about how but this week, I want to talk to you more about who. This is the groundwork that has to be done. Who? Because the Bible is revealing who to us. It's a relational book. And we have to first come to a place where we're, we're willing to submit ourselves to the who of Scripture. A lot of people think that it's technique. Now, I'm going to give you some tips. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about how you can grow better in it. I'm going to give you some, like you and I having coffee. You want to come back next week. Here's how you engage with the Word. But let me, let, let's not start there because I know people that have lots of techniques that don't hear from God. It's not proximity to the Word because there are people that sit in church, you know, forever and don't hear from God. It's not proximity to the Word. It's not techniques. It's not position, proximity, power. It's posture. It's a humble posture. I take you to the passage that's in your guide this week. It's in 1 Samuel. I told you to turn there. It's the story of Samuel. Why is it significant? Israel wasn't listening to the voice of God for their nation. They were looking to the voices of other nations. They decided because the other nations have a king, we should have a king. So God goes to work in this life of this prophet to reveal this king that would ultimately be in the lineage of Jesus, but the story goes like this. There is a woman named Hannah. She's barren. She wants to have a baby. She commits to the Lord. If he'll give her a child, she'll dedicate him to his service. And so he does give her this child, Samuel, the name there meaning hear or heard L by God, heard by God. She sends him to, to be with the priest, Eli. I love this story because what happens is the young boy, Samuel, he hears this voice. It's God talking to him, but he's trying to sort it out. And he goes to Eli a couple of times before we pick up in verse 8. So this little boy is coming to the priest. And I love the fact that it took Eli a couple of times to figure out what was going on. All of us are in the same place many times as it comes to the learning process of hearing from God. But on the third time, the Bible says, 
the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. See his instruction to him. Not, here's a five-point technological technique, pragmatic solution to you here. Lie down, posture yourself in a place of humility and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. He told him to do that. And uh, so he went and laid down in this place and the Lord came and stood there and calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. I want us as we begin this journey together for all of us to let that passage in that word be not just a concept on pages, but the posture of our heart. We're going to talk for two weeks about how to receive from the Word of God. We're going to talk a lot about how and what and what God does in the pattern we see in Scripture, but it's so much about humility. God, I have a tendency to miss it. I could be, Lord, speak for your servant is listening. Now, I recognize I get real passionate about talking about hearing from God through the Bible, and I know we come from a bunch of different places and backgrounds, but I grew up in a home where the Word was the authority. Did we do it right all the time? No. Every family has its own dysfunctions, but my dad's favorite saying was, the Word says, the Word says, Jeff, I thought he was crazy, then I had kids of my own. Can I talk to some of you young families right now? If you wonder about all the peripheral fragments and the places everybody in our culture tend to put the pinpoint of the problem, the problem in the world today is, is this, the authoritative word of God. And I tell all you young families right now, because I've raised teenagers, you better set it up now as the authority. Dad's under it. Mom's under it. We're all under the authority of this word. I do this at every membership class. My preaching, my personality, my position, it all submits under the authority of this word. There's no place anyone's going to come with, you know, some kind of gymnastics of a current day to... Remove the truth of that. I grew up, the word says. And my mom, you know, we, we would go to the table to eat. My mom was an intercessory prayer person. And I grew up in a church that preached the word, by the way. Great job to you. I saw coming on campus as dads and their kids. I saw a young man when I came on campus today. Young man had him a little tie on, following behind his dad and had a Bible. Thank you to all of you men in this church that are bringing your families to church to sit under the word of God. The preached word of God, by the way, too, it'll change you. It'll get on you, even if you don't. I grew up in a word-preaching church. We, we, I, I would go to the table to eat dinner. My mom can outcook your mom. She has a food blog. And when I was a teenager, man, I could eat every bit of it, man. You put it there. Anybody got any teenage boys, you got to take out a loan. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm 50. I got to deny myself, take up my cross. Anybody getting older? But I'd be ready to dig in. And mom, they would have this little bread loaf. The, 
that Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we take those little scriptures and read them. And I want you to know that word is sticky. It'll stick on you. Some of you think, my kids aren't getting anything. The word of God does not return void. It starts sticking in their soul. I remember a scripture that hung in our kitchen. God, the love is from God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. I'm 50 years old, and that same verse is still stuck in my soul. Because it comes and sticks inside of you. I remember, though, when it wasn't my parents' Bible, when I start growing in my faith, and I look back on moments where the Word of God led me and guided me, and, and, and I look, and, I, and it's kind of like I remember the story where the post-resurrected Jesus was with his disciples, and they said, did our hearts not burn within us when he explained the scriptures to us? I, I want you to know that it doesn't have to just be an heirloom, a book on a coffee table that the family has there as a, a, a signifying thing of our belief system, but it can start getting into your life at such a degree that literally you can feel like you are on fire. You say, how do I get there, Pastor? Well, you gotta start with some who's. That's where we're starting. I wanna give you some who questions, okay? First of all, you need to know this. The Bible is not primarily informational, it's relational. It's more relational than it is informational. This is not a self-help book. This is not just a pragmatic set, set of wise sayings. It's it's a relational book to reveal to us a God who loves us, to show us his nature and his character. The Bible is less about what and more about who. So many people misinterpret it. They're like, it's all about what you can't do and what you shouldn't do. And what, when you get to know the God that loves you, you'll realize he didn't tell you do not because I'm trying to make your life miserable. Do not because I love you and that will lead you to a path of destruction. Here's some who questions. First of all, you got to decide who's in charge. Who's in charge? Like, who's the authority? You may not know this, but you subconsciously, every time you walk into a place, a room or a setting, you subconsciously are looking for to feel safe. Who has the authoritative voice? Should I have a problem? So who is the teacher? Who is the principal? Who is the person? Who can I, if I go to the restaurant, who is the waiter? Who is the maitre d'? Who is the owner? Who here has the authority to help me should I need help? The problem is we live in a culture that has multiple voices that have deputized them as saying, I have the authority to tell you how this works. If you're going to receive from the Bible, you have to say God is the authority. He's God alone. He's God all by himself. And he's given us an authoritative document. You don't want to have a baseball game with no umpire at your house. You don't want to have a basketball game with no referee. You, you don't want to play nerds. I don't play nerds. Because it's just, it, I, I, would, I would probably have to be removed as the pastor. Because I would get physical and get in trouble and then I'd have a prison ministry. My wife and her friends play it. It's full contact. If you're going to play family games, most of you, knowing your nature, if you're like, we got to define who's the referee, who's the umpire. We could just ruin our whole family tree over one game of nerds. Everybody needs to know who's in charge and whose voice counts. 
2 Timothy, when you read your guide this week, which I know you all will, you'll be in on it when you come back to church. This is the verse for next weekend. All scripture, some scripture, the scripture I like. No, all scripture is God breathed. Why can we know? How can we know what God's voice is? When we read his word, he's breathing his truth to us. He's, it's useful for teaching. That's what we're doing right now. Rebuking, correcting, training. I warn you, if you've not really engaged with the Bible, if you haven't been around it much, it's an equal opportunity offender. It will mess with you. It's not afraid to talk to you about all areas. Sexuality, which is the number one area in our culture to where we believe that we own the right to define. It defines it. One man, one woman, holy matrimony. It do, it's not afraid to go there. Your money, most private thing in our lives. Oh, no one should know. Well, God gave it all to you. He knows everything about it, and he's actually going to judge you on your stewardship of it. He says 10% belongs to him. I know that, but that's crazy. Who's in charge? Who's in charge? Your, your, your kids are going to come to you. And, and what do I do about this? And so-and-so told me that. And the teacher told me this. I've sent kids into higher education. I don't care what your teacher said. They're not in charge of the truth. The word of the living God is the truth. All scripture. All scripture. It's an it's a equal opportunity offender. My dad, he made me read Proverbs when I was a kid. He was praying that I would have wisdom. My mom was praying that I would love God. I look back on it and I see how those verses saved my life. It almost made me blind to things that could have killed me. Young man, beware. How do you approach correction and teaching and help? Don't be a fool, young man. Don't be a fool. Over and over and over. And I read it recently. It's still correcting. I can tell you guys haven't read it lately if you don't relate. Wow, I responded improperly there. I, should have been quick to listen and slow to speak. And man, God, it, if it's in charge, it has voice. When I started date, taking my wife on dates, my kids got old enough for us to give them the keys to the house so we'd go on a date. Their first question was, who's in charge? Who can spank who, daddy? I can tell by your immaturity you're not ready for a badge or a gun. I will still be in charge. You are mutual friends and colleagues and cohort friendly. You're not in, none of you are deputized. So if there's a problem, call me and I'll sort it out. Well, I'll tell you, we don't have to search for who's in charge. The word of the living God is authoritative. The second thing is, who's, it, who, who's this thing about? If, you don't, if you're reading a book and you don't even know who's the main character... How are you going to receive from it properly? Charles Spurgeon said, read your text and make a beeline for the cross. And so we read a book that you look at it and you think it's about Abraham and, and Joseph and Moses. I've seen that movie, Let My People Go. But no, 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 they're, they're characters in the story, but there's a crimson thread that runs through the pages that leads you to Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. 2018, there was a train going from Montreal to New York. And on this train, the cars became disconnected from the engine. Chaos ensued. 
These cars are now lost on the track. Luckily, and, and by God's grace, there was a passenger who pulled an emergency deal. They had a fire extinguisher to keep from there being a fire. But for two hours, these disconnected cars spent two hours in the cold. They had to send another train to connect. I want to tell you, so many people today, they miss this part. John 1 says, Jesus was the Word, is the Word, so He's the living Word. Let, let me help some of you. You're like, well, I've read it, but I just, no, 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 no. You have to read it with the understanding that it is bringing you to a place where you say, He is the Lord of my life. I'm submitting my life to this Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you don't submit to the headship, Colossians 1 says he's the preeminent Christ, which means he is Lord of all. He's over all. He can speak to any area of my life. There's no disconnect from my Sunday to my Wednesday. Why? Because I'm connected to the engine. My life's not in chaos. It also helps you from becoming mean. Let me speak on behalf. I've had people all weekend while I'm shaking hands. Let me speak on behalf of people who are searching and seeking. There's a view that and we have, we have propagated this as Christians that when you really become a Bible man, I'm a Bible man, I'm a Bible woman, you get arrogant. You know, Bible thumpers. Well, let me just, let me just, Jesus went to some Pharisees and he said, you search and study, you study the scriptures and you do it diligent. You're diligently studying them, but you failed to come to me. These scriptures testify of me. You say, what are you trying to say, pastor? I've been around Christians who claim to be like, I know the Bible inside and out, contextually and hermeneutically. But you're a jerk. It should not produce in us, the only way it can produce that is if you're connecting to the subtitles instead of connecting to the main character. It should produce more of the fruit of Christ, the love of Christ, the disposition of Christ in your life. And the truth is, the fruit of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit in our life is the only fruit in our life we don't eat, other people eat from us. So when they taste the fruit of your life, being tied to Jesus with the Scriptures produces, oh, I'll have another bite of that. Here, here, here's the the way this works, because some of you are like, like, how does that really work, pastor? Every time I preach a passage, no matter where it's at, Old Testament, we always bring it back to Jesus. So you'll notice when I give you an Old Testament story, we don't just go, ah, that's exciting, pull some random things. It all comes back to Jesus. Let, let me show you how, because some of you are like, I thought the Bible was Moses and Joseph and Abraham and Isaac. No, 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 it is. It's a foreshadow. They're forerunners. Look, what it, look, look, look at this. I wrote these down this week. Moses was a deliverer who was angered by the mistakes of people. Jesus was a deliverer who forgave mistakes, loved his enemy, and redeemed sinners. Jesus is the ultimate redeemer of the Moses story. Joseph suffered unjustly, but God used his trials to save his people in his generation. Jesus suffered unjustly, but gave his life so all people in all generations could receive God's salvation. In our story this week, Samuel, I love it, man, this stirs me up. I was like, well, where's the Jesus in Samuel? Well, Samuel was a boy who learned to hear God's voice, and he became the prophet who chose Israel's king. Jesus was a boy. 
He heard God's voice. He grew in stature and wisdom and favor with God and man. He was a boy who heard God's voice, became God's greatest prophet, and is the king of all kings. So they're all pointing to Jesus. Here's number three. Let's get down to the real nitty-gritty now. Are you ready? Who has the right answer? Why do we come to a series like Hearing God? Because we're looking for help. Like we all have things. And so, and used to, like, I know I'm a dinosaur, but when I was growing up, like if you had a, a problem you couldn't solve or you want to know how the world works, you went to the Encyclopedia Britannica. Any old people in here? Some of you are like, I don't know what that is. You had to go find a wise person and sit down and be like, can I get on your calendar? How does this work? Now we just get on Google. Tell me the right answer. You know, you do it. Get some at your elbow. Get a sickness. Get a, oh, something's wrong. Your friend will tell you, I think I heard somebody had that. It's blah, 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 blah. You'll go home this afternoon. You're dead. You're like, I'm going to die in a week. And I just had tennis elbow, but I'm going to die. So we're, we're like, tell me the right answer. Tell me the right answer. And so what happens in a world that has said truth is not, it, it, it's, it's not something that I need to come to. It's something I can define. You, you have all these different sayings and answers and voices that, hey, do this and this is right. And I've come to this conclusion, by the way, most of the time based on human experience. And we come up with these phrases. I was thinking about it this week. God helps those who help themselves. That's not biblical. Sounds good. God actually says he doesn't help those that help themselves. He helps those who die to themselves. To crucify. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Yet not I live, but Christ lives within me. So the real problem is self. We don't want to accentuate self. All roads lead to God. Sounds noble. So sounds inclusive. But Jesus Christ in John 14 said, all roads don't lead to God. He said, I am the way, not a way. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father unless they come through me. We tell people, follow your heart. There's a champion inside. You're, you're a great person. You are gifted. You follow your heart. The Bible says, don't follow your heart. Do not follow under all circumstances. Your heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. It will lie to you. You will think you have a full head of hair and you are the biggest comb over wearing dude in the Metroplex. Your heart will lie to you. The Bible actually says guard your heart, protect your heart. You deserve to be happy. We filled a generation with this. That's why they believe. I'm helping some of you even with your work life. If truth is out there, and I've been told my whole life, you deserve to be happy. It's why they believe that you can have a boutique little experience that only accentuates your gifts and you should be paid as much as the boss and everything is fine and you can choose in your own feelings to make choices that will destroy you. But you deserve to be happy. Now you're just like, does Jesus care about our happiness? It's not totally our cultural word, but there is a word that's close to it. In Jesus' most famous teaching, he said, I want you blessed. But he doesn't say, you're blessed. 
by defining your own truth and doing whatever you want, he says some counterintuitive things. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. Contrary, feel free to act on your feelings. Look, we are not our feelings. We have feelings but our feelings will lead us astray. You say, what am I trying to say? You have to determine who has the right answers. And what you also have to understand is when you come to this Bible, you're not just coming to a set of words and stories. It of itself says to us, it will change your perspective. Like what your grandpa said, what your mom said, what you watched on the news, what your feed said. It will transform you, right? We don't want to define our happiness and define our feelings. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. But you can be transformed by renewing your mind. It'll change you. Then you'll be able, look, when you renew your mind, when you're transformed, metamorpho, change, your mind's renewed. You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Pastor, what's God's will for my life? We'll start at, do not conform to the pattern of this world and have your mind renewed. Had a guy the other day said, Pastor, you got all those people down there. Are you brainwashing them? I said, Well, just for the record, they need their brains washed. Like we are so full of so much worldly ideology, we need the top of our head. It's not my opinion, though. My opinion can't wash your brain. But the word of the living God will renew your mind. So we see that it's also living and active. I love this verse as well. For the word of God is alive and active. You know, I read it yesterday. I read it as a kid. I'll read it tomorrow, not as a preacher, but as a Christian. And every time I come to it, it has something for me. Can I encourage some of you with this? If you'll start engaging with it, there'll be verses that you'll read in the morning that God will use in your life that afternoon. It's alive. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates. It divides soul and spirit. Join and merit judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Well, as we close, here's a question you're asking. Okay, I've answered these who's. I, I want to know God. I, I, you maybe have said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Be like, who can receive it? Who can receive it? Well, again, it's not technique. Anyone who is willing to humble themselves and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening and engage with the word, it will change you. I lost my father a few years ago. And you know, grief is an interesting thing. It's like this week, it kind of popped up a little bit with me. I had a, I had a lot of I had a lot of like milestone things last fall. I turned 50. We opened our new space at Keller. I became a grandpa. This week I was like, I just, I just want to call my dad. I just want to tell him. I just want to tell him what, I had some cool things happen this week. I want to call him. I know he's in that great cloud of witnesses celebrating everything that God's doing. But you know what I love about God? He's never busy. You don't ever have to get on his calendar. Just think about the opportunity you have right now to go to your heavenly father and talk about anything going on. I always want to make this real for you. So I asked a member of our church who's new to a lot of this in the last little bit. I wanted him to illustrate the message that I'm sharing. Watch Bill. 
Bill grew up going to church, but in 2019, he fully submitted his life to Jesus. This led him to a desire to engage with God's Word. This is Bill's story. To know somebody, you have to be in relationship with them. And I was a stranger, or he was a stranger to me. And the more I read his word, the more and more I got to know his character, the more and more I got to feel him, see him, hear from him. It has honestly come to a point to where I feel he's with me all the time. Growing up, the Bible was more of a, of a book that the preacher would read to us, and then that was it. That, that's where it stopped. I never picked up a Bible to read it. I didn't, I didn't even know how to read it. The first time I can remember picking up a Bible was in 2019. I was at my lowest during that time. My job was going great, my finances were going great, and I felt like I was just going to rock bottom. I searched everywhere to try to get this feeling to go away. Um, nothing seemed to be working, and I do remember from teachings when I was younger, I was like, oh, hey, there, there's a Bible out there. And so I did, I got a Bible and um, just started reading one of the Gospels. I didn't even know what I was reading. Um, the words themselves were still confusing but I really had a sense of peace. I don't understand that sense of peace, but the more I stayed in it, the more I started to understand it. And uh, I felt the Lord saying, hey, I'm gonna turn your life around now. And then it just step after step after step, I made it a habit. And then the habit turned into a desire, and then the desire turned into something that is just part of my life. And there's not a day that, I, that goes by that I don't read my Bible. And that's because I live my life long enough of not reading the Bible, that why would I not want to read something that has been filling me up on a daily basis? Why would I not want to do that every single day? Why would, why would someone see the fruit of something and then want to put it down? When I started reading the Bible, my life started to turn. The other night, I was laying in bed with my wife and we got into a conversation that could have gotten a little sideways in my past. And I was thinking about uh, 1 Corinthians where God's word tells us what love is. Love does not boast. Uh, does not keep account of right or wrong. And I was like, hey, listen, I'm so sorry that I took offense to that last comment. I'm, I'm sure that you didn't mean it the way that I heard it. And uh, the conversation ended up being beautiful. And I contribute that to God's word being in my heart. I really do. I mean, it's completely, it's turned around my entire family. It's comforting knowing that you don't have to have all the answers and that as you're walking through life, that you have something that you can turn to that is the truth. If I were to encourage someone to continue to read their Bible or even to begin to read their Bible, one of the first things I would say is to just keep at it, to not get discouraged, to continue to be in the Word, continue to read the Word. There is definitely a turning point where the light bulb turns on and it's just, you really start, you start hearing God's Word. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.